0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Talkies. This is where three filmmakers talk about movies, and today we are going to be talking about and spoiling Paths of Glory. I am Kenny. I'm Dee. I am Taylor. And this uh, wraps up our deep dive into the works of Stanley K. Wow. Yeah, we is, yeah, uh, is our last one? Yeah, we've been doing it for a while. Comes to like an end.
1: six weeks or something crazy like that. Yeah, this was. We cool. didn't do every single Kubrick movie, though. No, no, no. no. We didn't that. We wanted to talk about. We, exactly, we've yeah.
0: had yeah. and we, we've had long debate about what makes a Kubrick a Kubrick, and which and why we'd want to talk about it. In yeah, because I mean, he worked. He worked in Hollywood as kind of like a hired guy, in addition to being and uh, before being a. An, uh, A tour. He was like. Say?
1: I would say it's more like he was getting his bearings and developing his style with his first three features. I can feel that. I can and, definitely feel
2: that in this one. And
1: Paz of Glory," I would say, is the first feature he made that felt like his style was fully forming. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: I could definitely sense that. Uh, the only thing that would have made this feel more uh Kubrick-y? Kubrick <laughs> <laughs> would be uh if it if it had um some like extremely recognizable pieces of music
1: yeah added to oh yeah it. Like I that, was gonna that, say. Uh,
0: that's the one trick he picks up a little later he does yeah that. i
1: was like i was like is is Pals of glory the first movie that has classical music in a st- Kubrick. I don't film. feel like it does. It does have classical music. It in does. In it. Yeah, there's didn't even, the waltz scene when he was mean. dancing at the party.
0: Yes, but it's sort of diegetic, isn't it? It is. Isn't yeah. it? Ooh.
1: But it's probably the first appearance of classical music oh, in Stanley Kubrick's work. We'll, we'll <laughs> give it a pass. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh hot takes on Paths of Glory. Yeah. Fifty eight shot in fifty eight, right? Yep. Or or released, released in fifty eight. Yeah. 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 It's like this guy. Lived forever. Yeah. He had a very long <laughs> like, career. Like with the exception of the very most modern era of filmmaking, <laughs> it's like he worked in every era of filmmaking. Yeah. He just needed a silent film. Yeah. To, right. to have covered the <laughs> whole history <laughs> of film, you know? Pretty much, dude. Jeez. Uh, yeah.
1: What a mensch. Hot take. Me? Yeah, yeah, you, first. yeah, yeah you first. I've, this is the second time I've seen this movie. i only seen it once before, so I was excited to watch it. And you know what? I still love it. You, I still love. It. I loved it the first time. I loved it this time. That's crazy. Thought it was amazing. Thought it was great. Um, I think it's. Uh, I always liked Kubrick's war movies, and it, and that's like a genre of movie Kubrick always went back to. Is one of the few genres that Kubrick like revisited yeah. multiple times in his career. So I like. I think his fascination of war uh, makes for really good cinema. Yeah. And like the dichot, I loved watching like, I guess like the, I guess the, the really dark, like sad absurdity of Mm -hmm. the whole story of Path to Glory, basically, you know, the fact of like killing three random guys for the, in some cases, not so random uh, soldiers to make an example of them because they were being pinned down by incessant gunfire. Yeah, that's while their leader was going insane. Yeah, while their yeah. leader was going insane, and you know, and that's like that's based on on history. Yeah. It's you know, that, you. that happened that people were executed for cowardice behavior well, in, in the face of enemy. Your punishment you know? is to die because you didn't choose to die. Exactly, yeah. right, and,
0: and and it'll make other soldiers feel better to to see to some see people other, die. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. It's good for, good morale. for
1: morale. What? <laughs> good for morale. I mean, I, I
2: can see, I guess, kind of both both perspectives but yeah
0: yeah it's weird yeah sure yeah i think
1: and i actually thought it was kind of cool because i think kubrick did throw in some of those other perspectives like sometimes the generals made a little bit of sense like i can see where they're coming from you know so it wasn't so black and white even though i think he was definitively saying this is bad but you you know you can tell kubrick's anti-war
0: yeah and it gives you a perspective on war that is not typically in our war movies not an American. It really race, right? doesn't. Yeah, and um, I wonder if he could have even really gotten away with that in the 50s if it wasn't about French. the French
2: military. Yeah, that kind
0: of, yeah. kind
2: of uh, bothered me a little bit that the movie wasn't in French, and I and I wish it was. I, <laughs> I mentioned that, that, that to Taylor right yeah.
0: after. That's actually something that it sort of messes me up whenever I watch old movies that are that are period pieces take place in other parts of the world because. Yeah. Pretty much across the board, back then, if a movie took place anywhere other than the United States, they still spoke English, but usually with a British accent. But that's how <laughs> they did it. They're like, well, we we're, we're just want we just want you to know we're not American, so we'll use a British accent. Well, okay, well we're don't, We want to be completely understood. But Kubrick was... Not American, right? Was Kubrick he, he was, was American. Kubrick's America. he's he, a New American. he just loves shooting in England. He just loved. Okay, and he lived <laughs> okay. in England. Okay, yeah, he was. He, he was, lived uh, in he, England, but he's American. Yeah, he lived. He, mean, he, he moved, was born in America, air, and yeah,
1: America. Yeah, he moved to America in like the middle of his career. Gotcha. So he was actually living in America during uh, during this that time? film. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Uh so we talk about perspective. Now this has a, a very alt perspective on on war, yeah. at least from from a movie point of view of, of that time, especially, um, that is what, that was my first takeaway from my first viewing of full metal jacket Yeah, was like, Oh, I'm looking at war in a whole nother way. And it, and, and it hit me so, so deep that, Oh, this is the real ugly side of war. And it's interesting that here we are so much earlier, what a full, like almost 40 years, 30 years, but 40 years before. Yeah. Um, Full Metal Jacket was like 1980 or something yeah. like that. So, 30 something years before. Right. And uh, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Although it's a different, ugly side. It's a different you know, story. It's the yeah. ugly side of like the bureaucracy and the right. politics of yeah. war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, I thought that was really poignant. And then, uh, true to a very Kubrick uh, sort of vibe, it felt like one story ended and a, a new story began. I didn't. Um, I didn't feel the, that way. Actually, I felt like there was a whole another little short at the end with the with them singing. With and them the, singing, yeah, yeah. That that little part did feel like it was its own thing.
1: It was a cap to end off the movie. Yeah, it felt it's like we've told our story. Now I want to I hit a vibe at the end. Yep. Yeah.
2: So so I I enjoyed pretty much. I, I really loved love this movie. It was, it's funny because as as we're watching it, the the movie that comes to mind, like we were talking about when we saw it, was uh, 1917 um and was, yeah because trench warfare and i was thinking uh at the time of watching this one path of glory i'm thinking man this is better than 1917 <laughs> you know just like right off the bat the, the story is actually what captivated me but like even the cinematography
1: too was like pretty amazing pretty- Soon, I, there's quite a few shots that always floor me in yeah. this movie and like the whole uh the battle sequence in yeah. this movie with all the those crazy dolly shots over no man's land yeah. with the a, a ton of soldiers going and explosions everywhere. Yeah. It, Very f- it felt
2: uh, Kurosawa.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that was cool.
0: Yeah, that was
2: um, cool. But uh, Good movie. yeah, what I didn't like though was that ending. I didn't like the ending because it because it felt uh, it felt like the writer whoever was whoever wrote that part in the script felt like okay now. Now this, uh, and I just wasn't informed by anything that happened before it. And the reason why I felt that way, I think in the first place is because the whole movie, the reason why I liked it so much is because it's so, it tells a story. It's very much just this story first and everything else second, right? It's just, it very much feels like it's telling one single thing. And so at the very end, that's where it got uh, more Kubrick, like you said, where it's like, yeah. okay, we're, we're going to insert this other part because that's, where, that's what I want. I, just, I yeah. just want that part there. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, if you're a Kubrick if you're him, that's that's absolutely I get it. Uh for someone
0: who You just want everything motivated by a plot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for someone Lame. who it's very childish. For, Boring. Someone, <laughs> for someone who watches things for Cannot the agree plot, with you.
2: Then yeah, then plot. it feels a little strange, yeah. The plot was over. Apparently. It was. <laughs> Apparently
0: uh phil Phil charlie kaufman (laughs) i love movies that i can't predict that's usually my biggest that's usually your thing thing that ties me up with a movie is if i can if i have a strong sense of what's coming before it happens i get kind of annoyed yeah and uh i was certain that some kind of intervention was going to stop the execution oh really like i really did there's a couple times where they fake you out too, and the fact that they went all the way through weird. I to the end. I
2: didn't expect that at all. It just
0: felt like that was the story that we were telling of this courageous officer and Kirk Douglas's Man, character. Had that happened. I would have like hated the movie. Yeah, that would have been
1: pretty pretty anticlimactic. Yeah,
0: it, it felt like they were setting up for that, and I think it was meant. I think it was meant to be a a gut check right. to for the mass audience. The, the audiences time. at the time definitely. Were, I could definitely were, see that. Yeah. Uh, and and older movies especially tend to be a little more on the nose. They kind of led you along down a path, and they all tend to have a happy ending. We are in the middle of crime-ridden citrus heights. So if you hear sirens in the background, you know why. Crime-ridden. Yeah, yeah we're we're this is a bad. We're in a bad. This place. Is, this is a bad spot. This is right bad now. for twenty twenty. I mean, you think 2020 is bad? Try 2020 on the talkies.
1: 2020 2020,
0: 20 20 2020. Those guys started they stopped like right there.
1: That's funny. Dude, that corner is always going ham. Okay, anyways. Back, <laughs> to, back to the movie. Uh, yeah,
0: so in uh in a 1950s war movie, they they always the the point was patriotism and yeah. happy endings. Yeah. Right? And so, and and obviously, Douglas was the babyface hero of this.
2: Sure. Yeah, it was it was actually kind of weird that they even had kind of a like a heroic story for him at the end, where after he couldn't save the guys, he went after the the general. I, guess, I don't remember the ranks, but the the highest ranking guy here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that where he went after him and threatened him with blackmail, um, and then and then the guy. Accepted basically the blackmail and was like, well, you got the other guy's job now. It's like that's what you were after, right?
0: Right. And he's like, no, No, he's like, no, I was after justice. That (laughs) was like the saddest part. Was the guy thought he was giving the guy what he wanted? Yeah, and he couldn't even believe it, too. Yeah, right. He refused to believe. it He's like, oh, you wanted to save the? I didn't even catch that. Well, (laughs) and what was (laughs) like he's that disconnected from the humanity? But what was neat about that is it
2: felt like that guy, that high ranking officer guy, was uh, like he he understood like the greater of what was happening here. I can't remember exactly what yes. it felt like he got the last line basically where he's like he's like, Yeah, you're an idealist, but look where you are. Yeah. Kind of thing. And yeah. I
0: well, yeah. I, I had that sort of pang, it was a not a comfortable feeling, but yeah. realizing that, well, he's kind of right. Right. You know, <laughs> right. like he's sort of the villain here in terms of what's humane and what feels good. Yeah. But if his job is, in fact, just to win a war, he does have to be blind to certain things yeah. Yeah. and look at soldiers as numbers. Yeah, and yeah. I, I love that he brought that up because very that's, non-romantic idea. Yeah, that's one of those things. Dehumanization. That, yeah, that's one of those things done. that I I hate
2: about black and white movies. Not not literally black and white, but ideally black and white movies where uh, where you have the good people good and the bad evil. people. Yeah. yeah, it's that. Uh, those bad people all have a motivation.
0: You just don't get to see it often.
2: Yeah. And and this one you got to, which was uh, pretty This
0: cool. is it's this is a surprisingly nuanced film for the nineteen fifties. Definitely. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like it's early sixties, we'll call it that. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, pre sixties. Yeah, he was like a <laughs> proto sixties. Proto sixties, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Did uh, <laughs> do you know anything about how this film was received? I think it was uh I think it was critically received well. I think it was a critical darling. I don't know if it like was a huge hit or anything, but it, it was received well critically from I, what I'm I aware. I could
0: honestly see American audiences going to this movie and and accepting what they're seeing on the screen because it's French, because they're French. No, That's actually what came to mind too. Yeah. Is I was like... If this was the American yeah. military, they would have wanted to see the general save the soldiers right. at the end. <laughs> right. You know, there yeah. had to be a heroic ending. Right.
2: They're like, oh, well, thank God that's not us. Yeah, right, you know? yeah, and it kind of made no, me backwards think. Backwards French, of course. <laughs> right, it kind of made me think about what I said earlier about uh, I wish the movie was in French. Was that it would be a pretty crazy thing, you know, to be enveloped by this, you know, French bureaucracy and everything about uh, surrounding the military. Yeah. But having it be in English gives that step closer to immersion for Americans, where you're just like, oh yeah, I get what's going on, and that's not just the ugly French people. That's that's military. I, I get it. It's it's us. But, like you said, to identify them people as being french yeah it's it's just another step where Americans yeah. can be of course like wouldn't oh, yeah, it wouldn't, well, it's not it us, wouldn't
0: stir any mm-hmm. pots today i mean most i'd say most no. modern military films include uh, are are pretty clear about the failures and well, and mistakes of yeah that's you know. kind of
2: the the reason why um what was that? recent film called American Sniper. Do you remember that yeah. movie? Yeah,
1: Bradley Cooper, yeah, Clint Eastwood.
2: So that that movie was like it was daring to be the heroic American movie,
0: right? Uh, am I am I right in that? Just directed by Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Well, it that was, makes it sense. was it was like a heroic movie, right? Yes,
1: it was relatively heroic and Bradley Cooper kind of was like conflicted and like kind of right. weird. So it's like it's like
2: daring to be heroic. Yeah. You know, like like you're going against the grain by doing oh, sure, right. pro military.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it is kind of so, that. So yeah. yeah,
0: so it's it's funny to see that transition. Now yeah, now it's overtime. kind of the other yeah, way. not many movies are pro military right now. <laughs> it's pretty popular for, to hear uh, on uh, WWE war now. films. <laughs> <A dog? laughs> WWE films. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a thing. I'm not kidding. The uh, not fans.
1: No. Oh, all right. Okay. Jeez. How many people
0: here watch WWE WWE films? What is that? <laughs> they have their own film production arm. They make uh, high quality straight to DVD movies. Just, you're just making this up. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. The uh, the Marine starring
1: John Cena. <laughs> this is real. That's okay. Um, I think the end of this movie works for me because I like the, uh, like, after seeing, like, a really, really sad story where people are being dehumanized and basically just taken out to get killed and just the horrors of that. And then seeing those same soldiers, you know, in a bar getting all rowdy, you know, being general soldier type people and then kind of having that almost like a facade of a manly soldier fade away at the serenade is like really... At the voice of the captured enemy, yeah,
0: you know, like it almost felt like they were setting up some kind of like gang rape scene of some kind. Yeah, the the whole thing felt cheesy to me. That part, booty, booty, booty.
2: It's just that I've seen it, (laughs) booty. (laughs) (laughs) And and this is again an aging thing, but I've seen that scene several times before. But of course, it wasn't in old movies. Well, Well, I mean, it was done like this one. Was it done well in this movie? Yeah, no, it was done well in this movie. And does it matter if you've seen it again? No, so the context, is what's shaping my opinion at that yeah. point. you know. But the context is what shapes all of our opinions. So mm-hmm. Not
0: mine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah. It, it, it bothered me for a different reason altogether. But yeah, I, I agree that it was done well.
0: What I liked about the scene... Uh, it wasn't so much that scene that was poignant to me. It was the very last line of the movie, and I think I think that it was meant to set up the last line because ultimately the, the main character is Michael Douglas. Right. He, he's the arc, and the final the final bit Douglas. was Kirk. Yeah. Michael. <laughs> <Not his son. laughs> Which one are we talking about? Kirk. 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 Kurt. Kirk. Kirk. <laughs> Dougie. Spock. We'll go with Dougie. Let's go with Dougie, yeah. Uh, anyway, Dougie uh, <laughs> is the main character... And they come up to him and, and basically say, "You got to get back to the trenches now. It's yeah. time to get back to the front line." And he says, "You know what? Let's let's give the guys another minute." Yeah. And actually I say that that was the powerful send off for the movie. Yeah. And wouldn't have really had it without the scene we had just seen before. Right. Yeah, I I could totally agree with that. Yeah. When it when it came back from that scene to
2: his perspective, and it ended with that line with him going back into the office, like. That felt good because it, it wrapped up what we've been seeing. That like that whole scene was his perspective. It was just everything that he's been listening to this whole time. It was weird to me that they jumped from his perspective to inside and then just like explored everyone. Like even had close up of shots of guys crying, of the girl singing, and everything. It just it felt like we went into a short film and then came back out. and We're like, oh, remember he's looking at that, and we're like, oh, right, right, right. Like that
0: was a yeah, but that, to me thing. that's a, that's a Kubrickism. No, it's yeah. it's very yeah, it's yeah. him. Yeah, feels That's him. good cinema. That's what we signed up That's for. That's not bro. good cinema though. Yes, it that is. is good cinema. It's not. Yes, That's it's not, not what
1: I would good consider good cinema. cinema. That's what I would consider C- real cinema. I consider it
2: a uh, movie. <laughs> D. <laughs> Hi. D. Hi. Hi. How's Hi. it going, man? Hey.
0: Okay. Hey. Hey. Uh, okay. Okay.
2: Um. Oh, Kubrick at large. That's what we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Where is he? He's at large. He's at large. (laughs) Uh, Kubrick
0: at large. Where in the world is... It was
2: interesting because... So so one of the movies we decided not to watch was Lolita
1: because it's generic more or less. No. No? That's not why? Why did we decide not to watch Lolita? We We didn't decide to watch Lolita because you didn't want to watch it. Oh, Oh. dang. Because I didn't take a vote on this really. Okay, did we... (laughs) <laughs> so you guys just blindly followed what I said. Well, we we decided if we didn't want to watch a movie, we wouldn't watch if, it.
0: If anyone didn't want to watch it, then we wouldn't watch yeah. it. Lolita is a movie uh, that's pretty generic.
2: It's uh, it tells a really really good story because I think because uh, Lolita is, is I mean it's a banned book. It's a it's a really good story. Their whole marketing campaign was they made a
1: movie of Lolita,
2: right? <laughs> well, and Dang. and what's weird about it though is that the, I don't think the like. Like the story in the book is very strange, um, because it's about like a not not an assassin but like a like a murderer or something. It's about it's about a guy with a, just a it's a very strange perspective. But the uh, the whole idea of the book of a older person being with a younger person is a very interesting context to explore with uh, a story within. And so that being made into a movie, I, I was thinking, Oh, this is gonna be an interesting movie, but then when I watched it, I, I didn't feel Kubrick at all. I didn't feel like, oh hey, this is that guy that's gonna later make all this all this awesome stuff. It was just a really, you know, a well done, comprehensive movie. Just a movie that's about these perspectives and it's shot properly. And so that's that's particularly why I didn't think it would be interesting to go back and watch it. Yeah. But anyway, It watching, is a Kubrick movie though. Ooh. I don't care. <laughs> um, but Kubrick making that movie and then making something like this paths of glory and then going from there to make the like you know crazier movies. <clears throat> it makes me think that Kubrick grew up as a uh, as a company man, more or less, as someone who was just really proficient at making movies. and then he starts to invest himself more and get really into the movies to where he gets to uh, eyes wide shut. And it's just almost purely
1: surrealist, right? It's just like, it's very him. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. His craft and filmmaking in filmmaking always evolved. It was always getting better and better and better and better. He, yeah, He was always trying to do well, a better movie. What, what I'm saying last. is that
2: his personality wasn't as present in those o- earlier ones as it is in something like all of his yeah. newer yeah, I movies. I think, I
1: think so. I think you, you get like, you get like, you get some pretty big hints of it and, paths of glory i think some hints yeah and uh but i think that's like the skill of filmmaking right is like how do you get your personality into a film like that takes practice and it's finding yourself and finding yourself and living life and all that and making movies and making mistakes making movies all that which is what you see in his like first three even into Paths of glory you see that right into paths of glory too and that's what's
2: interesting is that in lolita there were some shots and some instances that I feel like oh hey I can see the the personality that's starting to take hold there a little bit but more or less it's a movie that I felt like is the best uh, kind of proficiency that's if it feels very Ron Howard that's mm. what it feels you know it feels like somebody who's who's good uh, proficient at making movies Because yeah. like he knows exactly where to shoot and what to cut to and that's just it's it's great it's proficient Um, but then when we start getting to his other movies, it sounds like it feels like we're getting like something more feels like we're getting a voice in cinema and that feels really nice.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why all his later films are the real famous ones. Oh yeah. The real iconic ones. Yeah. You don't become iconic just by being proficient. Do you? Well, you don't (laughs) unless you're Ron Howard. (laughs) Mm. Is is Ron Howard iconic? He's an icon? No, I don't think so. He's not an icon. He he had the Andy Griffith show bump. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only
0: (laughs) iconic thing he's in. Yeah, and the music man.
2: No, we're talking about the guy who made
1: Solo. (laughs) (laughs) A Star Wars story?
0: I didn't think we'd be mocking Ron Howard in this episode. (laughs) A little surprising detour. (laughs) whenever whenever they do a long backwards or forwards uh tracking shot in a trench,'m I'm just impressed I'm just like there's a guy carrying that camera or rolling it on something, and I can't tell how they're doing it, and it's cool <laughs> you couldn't tell
2: uh-uh to me it felt it felt it didn't feel it didn't feel
0: obvious at all, I mean, but it felt uh like I could feel the struggle of the cameraman. <laughs> that's well that that's what I mean. Like I'm like yeah. I know it's not a that's not a dolly.
2: Right. It might not been a dolly.
0: Unless it was a track like above. Unless they're just rolling it on tires. <laughs> well, I think could maybe have maybe it was something like that. Yeah. Because the shots still felt shaky. It's there was fuck. there was well, not that shaky. Shaky but enough to shaky where it felt it. like it was in a human's hands. I felt maybe. like it was in a human like someone was carrying it, which meant they were doing really good at handheld. Maybe. Or it was just a, a badly built track, which is what I believe it was.
2: <laughs> just a, a track over, because I know they could have done like a very, very smooth track if they really wanted to, uh, but I'm guessing that the idea was to not have it so smooth because it's a chaotic yeah. scene that's happening, so they probably wanted some sort of sense of that in the in the shot, so there is that. But I felt like it was just kind of a bumpy track. But then now that I say that, actually, that makes less sense. So yeah, I, mean, I think, yeah, maybe it was someone carrying it. I think it was. It looked, it was cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Some of the shots here I thought were just like awesome mise-en-scene where, where we have the uh, the people. It reminded me a lot of Citizen Kane where we have people in certain areas at certain times and like Kurosawa, like Kurosawa, I can't say his name right. Uh, we have people moving to certain points during points of conversation, you know, and they all feel motivated. Like they don't feel like like someone is is. It doesn't feel like the director is saying, "Okay, now go here when you speak," because that's certainly what happened. But it felt good. It felt like the people were moving like just naturally to another spot, stopping, and then going back. It was pretty interesting. There was one time where in the opening scene where we have those officers. Talking the whole time, and they're and they're walking the entire time in this tiny little yeah, room. Yeah, some crazy blocking. Yeah, they do, they stand up, sit down, walk around in circles. One guy sits, the other guy t- t- like walks around. Uh, there was one point where one of the guys turned his head and spoke away from the mic, um, and it, that made me go, oh wow, they're like they're really uh, working these spots, right? This must have been like really uh, rehearsed a lot. Uh, there's just so many points that you have to get to. I thought it was really interesting.
1: Yeah, that always that scene was always funny to me because yeah. they move around so much. they move much. around so much, yeah. yeah it's like, oh, like, wow, we're hey, like reminds, running everywhere. <laughs> it reminds me of a Hitchcock movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, that's something in all, in all the Hitchcock films. When two characters are in a room yeah, together, they, move around. they do not stay still. They yeah. move a
2: ton. It feels yeah. good, though. Like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's just classic movie person D who's talking in my head and like, Like, I felt, because I've studied so many black and white films when I was in film school, and some of the things that just made the most sense to me was blocking. Just blocking, like, because you don't have cameras that can isolate very well, unless you're freaking, what's his name? In Citizen Kane, what's the dude's name?
1: Orson Welles. Orson Welles.
2: Unless you're Orson Welles, because you play with light so much. Uh, But, like, Bicycle Thief and, like, Twelve Angry Men, like, those are movies that you have to... You have to situate your camera in certain ways in order to make sense of what's in front of you. You have, like to to create a close up because it's interesting because the person who's talking, you know, you're drawing a certain attention in certain places, and that's what Kurosawa was all about too. Was all about framing specifically, very specifically, and
0: very intentional framing. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Can we? Uh, do some retrospective on our on our deep dive. Yeah, what was what was your guys' favorite uh, experience, either seeing for the first time or revisiting a Kubrick movie during our deep dive, specifically
1: through these viewings that we've done together? That's a good um, question. For me, the the most surprising one to me was actually Doctor Strangelove. Um, that movie clicked on another level for me. Just on this rewatch, that was probably my third time watching it. And I felt like, like that movie kind of just shot up to like one of my favorite Kubricks. Just seeing it that one time, that was a really good, good viewing, fun time. uh eh, yeah, and Barry Lyndon was a highlight. Yep, I gotta say the
0: same. I, don't, I probably would have mentioned both of those movies, but I'll just go ahead and just say Barry. The Barry Lyndon viewing was such a delightful surprise, not 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 knowing at all what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. The same was true with Doctor Strangelove. I, I I didn't know anything about the film going into it, and both were such a such an enjoyable, uh, non-hyped experience. Yeah, just knew nothing. <laughs> non you know. not. Yeah, that's both what you great. need. You need a weird. non-hyped experience for really. yeah, yeah, and and trying to bait you know. He's such a fun filmmaker because he's so uh, diverse in in his work. And so having seen the handful of films that I had seen and being told, okay, today we're watching a new Kubrick film you haven't seen before, and my mind tries to create an anticipation of what that's going to be like, and then having an experience that is absolutely different, just fundamentally off from what I thought it would be, (laughs) is the greatest joy of viewing a movie. The uh the
2: most interesting, I think, of uh, viewing to me was um uh what's what's the name? Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh because it was the most at that time I've only seen Kubrick do these highly expressive films, like these films that have so much personality in them, um, like Barry Lyndon, like two thousand one and uh, and then seeing a movie like that i was just like oh wow he's he's literally doing just a straight-laced movie just a war movie and it has some surrealistic elements in it i guess but uh uh it was it was interesting just to see just regular dialogue you know i just i've never seen that in a in a kubrick movie before so that was that was probably the most uh out of out of my uh expectations Um, but as far as my favorite, I mean, Barry Lyndon is probably my favorite Kubrick film just from this, from the thing that we just did. We just did this whole filmography. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the most fun viewing was probably Dr. Strangelove. That was hella fun. That was
1: really fun viewing. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought so long, I've thought so much and so long about Stanley Kubrick as a director. It's like revisiting some of these movies. was like. Like, I love wa- re-watching all of his movies anyway, like, just any time, pretty much. But, like, it was cool to give some more attention to, like, Paths of Glory, which I would only seen once before, where I've seen, like, Full Metal Jacket, like, 20 times. Right. crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was fun. And thinking about The Shining, again, like, that movie's crazy. I want to say, I want to say I still feel like, I think, like, Eyes Wide Shut and 2001 are still my two favorites kubrick movies boom boom oh, oh boom oh my gosh boom 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 boom, boom oh
0: boom. my gosh Boom! how can wow, boom, boom, wow. Boom, oh. boom! oh my well i haven't said my favorite yeah you guys what have. was your favorite i don't know Fair-Linden is the correct I answer don't know. <laughs> um let me think going into this i would have told you that full metal jacket was Ooh. my favorite Ooh. uh let me addendum uh, or supplement? Oh, sh- sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going into this, two thousand one was my favorite. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Going into this, it was Full Metal Jacket, and honestly, every viewing made me kind of reassess which my favorite movie was, um, including bumping Clockwork Orange much higher in my <laughs> list than it had been previously. Mm. Like I'd always considered that in like the second tier. Mm-hmm. You know. Had my my top tier was like 2001 Eyes Wide Shut, Full Metal Jacket, Shining, and then there was a second tier. Yeah, and uh, my man, my, my tier system's blown up, cause Clockwork Orange was awesome. That movie's amazing. It was so good. Um, Doctor Strangelove. There's not another comedy like it. Uh, in conclusion. Yes. I have no idea what my favorite Kubrick movie is. I can't. I can't. That's come. a good answer. Just can't do it. Good, good answer. answer. Good can't answer. Big it. money. Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> good answer. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. What, what can, what can say? we say about Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> what oh, can what you kind say? of pizza
0: is Stanley Kubrick? Holy oh, shit! Jesus. <laughs> a human pizza. <laughs> a cannibal He's pizza. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, human pizza? What kind of pizza was Paths of Glory?
1: <laughs> Pepperoni pizza.
0: Good choice. D. Pepperoni pizza. Good choice. I go with a pizza that tastes like a brick oven, like super nice uh, Italian pizzeria, but is cut in the shape of a Little Caesars
1: square pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit style? Huh? Detroit style? Detroit? Do they cut squares? Yeah, they got that square pizza with the That's cheese Detroit? on the, on the, crisped on the edges. No, no. That's Detroit style. No,
0: no, no. Bigfoot pizza. You got to go back into the 90s to recall this. Little Caesars used to have Uh, pizza by the foot. It was a three foot long pizza.
1: Like like, uh, fruit roll-ups? Yes, Yes, it was
0: before that, though. Uh, And the pizza was rolled up. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) What what kind of pizza is Stanley Kubrick? I already already told you. Thanks, D. Taylor. It's a pizza shaped by interpretation. There is no pizza that can be There's no pizza equivalent. Oh my gosh! That's the real question. What kind of Kubrick is your favorite pizza? Stanley. <laughs>
2: are you waiting for an answer? Yeah, I don't have an answer.
1: <laughs> uh, so we're gonna be doing uh, more. <laughs> what are we doing? We're gonna be doing another. Well, okay. We're gonna take. Are a you break, doing the and, outro? Yeah, I'm I supposed am. to do the outro. I'm doing it right now. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a break from deep diving into filmmakers. We're gonna and watch Tenant. We're, watch we're watching
0: Tenant next week.
1: Next week we're gonna see Tenant. We're gonna talk about Tenant. We're all gonna get COVID. We're all gonna get COVID in the theater, and we'll be sick talking about Tenant. But it'll be fine. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Then we'll go see. Uh, then after that, we're gonna do um, Kaufman. that Charlie Kaufman movie that just came out. What's that called? I'm, I'm thinking, thinking of ending, thinking about things. ending things. Yep, we're gonna see. We're gonna do that. Charlie K, K. Do, you, do you already watched it? I did, yeah. Dang, we're gonna watch that, and then after that, mm. we're gonna mm. we're gonna jump and mm. do. I think we're gonna do a deep dive into another filmmaker. We Is will, that right? It's we to be decided. To in be, fact, yeah. DVD. You guys, the viewers, the listeners, nope. should nope. vote. Nope, no. Dial no, pound. No, no, no. We, we don't do audience interaction. I here. Star <laughs> Cohen brothers. Sorry, sorry. to vote be, for the Cohen brothers.
2: Be <laughs> if we have if we have any comments out there, if people care to comment, Miyazaki deep dive. We kind of already, kind of, I mean, we didn't do it, but we did
0: yeah.
2: go down that route a little bit. Oh. Uh, Nolan uh, Deep Dive. We talked about that too.
1: That would be fun. It'd be fun. It would be fun.
2: would be. Uh, Kurosawa Deep Dive I say that Kurosawa that would be that's crazy because I've never seen any of his movies
1: all the way through that's what I'm down for dude lately. I'm Kurosawa, down for Kurosawa Deep Dive he's got a shitload of movies I know he's yeah. got like we 50 films we probably can't do all those yeah <laughs> I'd have to look up a, <laughs> take us two years Top five so I'm, maybe I'm, yeah. I'll do some research yeah. look up a guide Seven or Samurai yeah
0: Mm-mm-mm. Zack Snyder Deep Dive no, no thank you. you fuck you <laughs> eat poop no. and die D Hey Frank, we know you're listening. Frank, Frank, fishy Frank, fishy Frank. Hi. Is that his name? Frank Fish. Fishy Frank. Fish. It is. No, it is fishy Frank. Because I remember thinking,
2: Filthy Frank. That's funny.
0: Filthy Frank. No, fishy Frank. He's uh, he's a fan. And some other guy too. Yeah, we've got at least two fans. That's cool. (laughs) That's pretty cool. If we get three, then we're even. Because, you know, it's three One of us. One for each of us. <laughs> <laughs> One for each of us. Three fans. Everyone's going to be like, I like Taylor. Just everyone's just like, <laughs> Team Taylor. <laughs>
2: Team Taylor. Okay, wait, wait. So our fans are, we have we have Fishy Frank. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> are you are disappointed. Um, and Adam Griffith. Yeah. Adam. And Jay Diaz is a huge fan. Oh, yeah. Because he
1: says, laughing La- 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 my ass off pointless arguments yeah <laughs> that is funny that's how i felt i was watching that i was like yeah. tch, pointless that's, arguments guys. This, is what, this is what we do i feel that way every episode yeah every episode like, exactly. this is pointless we should have a pointless. segment where we Isn't read comments
0: from dope? our from our channel we should do that we should do that i like that especially mean ones we get a lot of do those do we have any mean ones? not really
1: do we have any haters we got like passive aggressive we got comments. the guy that said we passive have one we aggressive ones. <laughs>
0: yeah lameo pointless arguments D, do our closer. Close us out, man. Take us home, buddy. Take us home. Land this
1: airplane, bro. Mm. Land
0: it, bro.
2: Do it. Land it, bro. Uh, This has been The Talkies by Carmen Line Studios. We have an episode every Thursday, every week. Uh, We're going to be good about that now because we have an amazing setup now.
0: It's called a calendar.
2: Yeah, it's a really cool calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, we're going to be this is our last episode for our Kubrick Deep Dive As as Taylor said, our next one is going to be on Tenet. And the next one after that, uh, Charlie Kaufman's
0: I'm Thinking of Ending Things. That's
2: the one. So we will see you guys later. Bye.